This is That's in the Bible.com. That's in the Bible, episode 41, The Will of God. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is that stay. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric and glad you could join us again. It's been a while here for episode 41 to, to come about, but we are here and still here and are ready to bring you another episode of That's in the Bible. And we have the complete lineup today. Steve has decided to, to come back and join us and Steve, it's good to have you back. Uh, it's great to be back, Eric. Great to be back. You know we missed you. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us again is Pastor Strobel. Yes, I am. Looking forward to uh, getting back in the saddle with the podcast again here today. Amen. Amen. And uh, also, last but not least, Matthew. It's good to be back. I'm glad we're back since uh, Steve finally woke up. Oh, <laughs> Long hibernation. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to have everybody back, and um, I guess we'll we'll start right off with uh, Matt since we left off with you. Matt, what have you been up to? Uh, just keeping busy. Just uh, we just went street preaching this last weekend um, for my church, and it was our last one for the year, um, and it was good. I was uh, preaching. It's a good spot that we preach. We preach in Fulton, New York on one weekend, and then the other weekend we preach in Oswego. But this time, uh, we were preaching in Fulton, and I was uh, preaching to the <clears throat> the vehicles, and, and uh, the people rolled down their windows, even the cold weather. And uh, it was funny. One lady came over to me walking towards me, and I thought she was, uh, you know, she had a pretty mean look on her face. I thought she was going to say something to me, but uh, she held out her hand. I thought it was money, and I just tried to give her a gospel track while I kept on preaching, and and she's like, no, no, you're going to need these. And, and it was uh, some cough drops. So she, uh, she took the gospel track and, uh, and uh, gave me the cough drops. So I said, thank you, and just kept on preaching. So it was, uh, it was kind of a blessing, actually. It was, it was pretty nice, and uh, that doesn't happen very often. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, something went from I thought she was going to scream and yell at me to uh, give me some cough drops. So, so that was good. And, and, uh, pretty I guess thoughtful other, over it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty, pretty nice. So and and I wasn't feeling good that morning either. So you and, needed uh, them. I did, and seriously, and and I was uh, I was hurting, and and CJ also. He's the other one that uh, does the street preaching there, and he was hurting too. So we were we were both hurting pretty bad, and uh, and the Lord just knows, I guess, you know, and mm-hmm. and uh, just brought that over to me, and I was able to soothe my throat a little bit. And uh, I guess the only other thing that's new is I'm going to be getting my, uh, as my dad would say, my teeth ripped out of my face uh, Friday. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Uh, but it's a legal, guys, it's a legal kind of thing. It's not like you're going to be in some kickboxing event or anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting my wisdom teeth taken out, so that'll be interesting. Probably then wish we'll you be... had been in a boxing match instead of doing what you're doing. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's going to be rough. I've heard horror stories already from people at work. <laughs> and the next time Matt gives the lesson, we'll see if the wisdom went out with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever was left. <laughs> Not very much. 
so that's it. It was. It's been a good good time since we've been off. Everything's been going well, and uh, just uh, just I just keep thinking it's just an amazing book and amazing God we serve. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Strobel. Amen. Just uh, keeping busy with uh, regular church work and other things. Uh, it was in Attica last night. Um, had a good Bible study there. One of the men that uh, uh, has been coming in with us who has not been able to be there for almost a year uh, because of his job schedule was able to join with us again. And we had a good time last night. And uh, getting ready this Sunday uh, for uh, baptism after our, our uh, after the preaching service on Sunday morning. So we're looking forward to that uh, as well. Amen. And Steve, we're going to give you the last word there on the in the introductions. Oh, <laughs> I have to go now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Guys are worried about nothing here. Uh, we've uh, we've had a good time. Um, last uh, Sunday, Pastor Strobel just mentioned about baptism. We had a had a whole family come and uh, get baptized together. Amen. Uh, which was a real blessing to, to have that there at our church. Uh, like Brother Matt, we just kind of finished up our season as far as going out door to door and and things. There might be a couple of times we go back out street preaching a little bit here and there, just see if we can uh, stir the the nest up a little bit. But um, <clears throat> over the over the summer, the spring and the summer, and and a little bit of the fall, we've had a pretty good response uh, all in all. Uh, in regards to uh, the outreach of our of our church, and some pe- folks trusted Christ as their Savior, and Amen. had a, had a few people come and and uh, are visiting now and and uh, uh, attending the services, which is always good. And uh, looking forward to the the winter going by, so that we can get back out there and and uh, reach them again. I have something a little bit different that we're I think we're going to try at our church. Uh, really kind of uh, an offshoot of, of Jericho, if you will. But in the off season during the winter, uh, we're going to try to pray and walk the streets of, of uh, the town, the East Aurora, and uh, just pray for the town and pray for the spirit, pray for the, for the souls of men and women and children, and, and uh, kind of intercede for three or four months before we go back out on the street again and just see if, if that might not make a, a, a difference when we approach them at the door with the gospel. Right. Um, then uh, also, we were talking a little bit about it uh, uh, before we started the, the podcast here that, that uh, some of my family, at one time all of us were participating, but we sing in the uh, Messiah presentation done um, by volunteers, at least the, of the chorus anyway. Uh, we sing uh, a good portion of the uh, of the choruses, probably, I would say, better than three-fourths of the, of the choruses, um, and also a lot of the uh, soloists. Uh, my son's wife sings the alto solo, and, and she's got a great voice, and um, uh, we've been rehearsing for that. We'll be doing that in the beginning of December. I've been doing that for about seven years, and, and it's just a real joy to be able to sing that. You know, most people just enjoy it for its artistic value, uh, but the real blessing of that piece, uh, and I, when I say peace, I'm talking about the Messiah, is that it is the gospel from beginning to end, and it and it talks about the judgment of God being upon man, the sinfulness of man 
talks about the righteousness of Jesus Christ and his saving blood and how worthy he is to receive the glory and the honor and and what a what a marvelous thing it is and and uh, if you've never heard anything uh, uh, like that before uh, generally at Christmas time they'll have in most larger communities they'll have uh, a performance of the of the uh, Messiah I'd encourage you all to to go and take a look at and listen to it and listen to it not just as I said for the artistic value but but listen to it for the words let the words minister to your heart be a real blessing to you amen but is that something, Steve, that you would recommend for you know Christians to um, to take a listen to on CD and to add to their their library? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I've <laughs> I uh, I got a hold of the Messiah shortly after I was saved, and I've probably listened to it throughout the year so, uh, many different times, mostly during the Christmas season, but even. Other times throughout the year, I'll I'll put it in and just listen to it. It's it's a tremendous piece of music. And the, the the amazing thing is is that that uh, Handel, which I believe was a safe man, I'm trying to remember the exact uh, number of days, but I think he put this whole thing together in like twenty some days, and wow. uh, uh, it <laughs> just amazing to to see the 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 intricacies that that go into this kind of music. Now, I know some people aren't really into, uh, I'll use operatic style. That's mostly the, the soloists that sing with that style. But just try to get past that and listen to the words and, and yes. uh, let them minister to you because it's a, it's a real blessing. Amen. Amen. Just to add on to that, the words that you'll find as you listen to them, Steve mentioned it being the, the gospel and, uh, and so forth. Uh, you'll hear scripture quoted verbatim, and the whole Absolutely. thing is essentially just Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse. It's uh, tremendous. From the Old Testament and the New Testament alike, and uh, it, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the next time we do a podcast, I'll bring my score up and, mm-hmm. and just give you kind of a, a, an indication of, of some of the scriptures that are in there. And, and uh, to be honest with you, a Christian will really be amazed at how hard <laughs> some of those scriptures are that they're singing in this and and people just love it you know because it's it's one of those pieces that just endures but uh you know it again I, like i said it's the gospel put to music and it's, it's a wonderful thing amen do you guys ever record that um what we have now uh we have professional musicians that are uh, a chamber orchestra that work with us and they are unionized, and because of that unionization, uh, if we sell or record it, uh, <laughs> they get royalties off it, and, and it's just all kinds of a mess. Um, at one time, we had recorded it, and um, uh, I'm try- I-, I haven't been able to find our copy of it. I don't know if I lent it out to one of my children or not, but I'll see if one of my kids have it and and uh, uh, see what we can do with that if you uh, are interested in it. Matt was there last year and heard us do uh, the, we do two performances now, one on Friday night, one on Saturday. He was there for the Saturday night um, uh, performance of it. And to be honest with you, I think the Saturday night was better than the Friday night last year. I don't know how it's going to go this year, but mm-hmm. but we have over a hundred, over a hundred people in the chorus. Wow. Uh, that sing and um, 
It, it, we just came back from from rehearsal, and and I'm all jacked up, man. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you uh, gave me a pep talk before last year. You're like, now you know uh, how you're supposed to act. You're not supposed to shout amen or anything. I shout. I tell you what. There, uh, you, you've, some of you that have that are uh, regulars for our podcast uh, have heard of Peter. He was on one of our podcasts uh, uh, some time ago, and uh, he's a great friend and a good soul. And uh, I, I have to relay this story. Uh, Peter is an excitable man, and uh, he gets uh, he gets pretty uh, pretty wound up when the when things are are going and the Lord is blessing and the Spirit is moving. And uh, we finished singing, and of course, the last uh, part of that is is uh, a, a chorus that's combined. The first part of that is "Worthy is the Lamb," which is, is tremendous all in itself. But it finishes with the "Amen," and the "Amen" isn't just a, you know threefold, fourfold "Amen." I mean, it's really intense and involved. And and when we finished it, some lady in front of him was was hollering out "Bravo," you know, and clapping her hands and. Peter yells out to the top of his voice, Bravo, nothing. Glory to God. <laughs> he started shouting. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. We were, I was standing up in the, in the chorus, and I'm looking out at it, but I see his face all red and, and him shouting and stuff. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was just a, a great story. <laughs> that sounds, sounds good. Matt, could you yeah. sing a little bit of what you heard? <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to. Well, the thing is, is that I'm pretty good. I don't want to, you know, make feel bad. <laughs> don't want to show Steve up here. I mean, Steve's been singing for years. If I show him up now, I mean, you know. He's trying hard, isn't he, guys? Yeah, he is. He's really trying hard. <laughs> is it hard to stay on that high road, Steve? <laughs> uh, I'm having no problem right now. He's burying himself. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't ask me to sing, okay? I'm good. <laughs> okay. I think we're all in agreement. We're not going to ask you. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the quote of the day. And now it's time for the quote of the day. Day, 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 day. And really, the quote of the day is just a, a short uh, uh, newspaper article, that uh, headline that was uh, released uh, recently. In the, and it said that a study said that alcohol is more lethal than heroin or cocaine. And it says alcohol is more dangerous than illegal drugs like heroin and crack cocaine, according to a new study. British experts evaluated substances including alcohol, cocaine, heroin, ecstasy, and marijuana, ranking them based on how destructive they are to the individual who takes them and to society as a whole. Researchers analyzed how addictive a drug is and how it harms the human body, in addition to other criteria like environmental damage caused by the drug, its role in breaking up families, and its economic costs such as health care, social services, and prison. And uh, let's see, what else? What governments decide is illegal is not always based on science. Uh, said one of the researchers. He said considerations about revenue and taxation, like those garnered from the alcohol and tobacco industries, may influence decisions about which substances to regulate or outlaw. Drugs that are legal cause at least as much damage, if not more, than drugs that are illicit, he said. So any thoughts on that? 
Well, we went through this once in our country when they uh, had prohibition and, and got rid of alcohol. Of course, it kept it where it probably belongs in the seedier uh, sections and so forth, those that, that <laughs> want to do that kind of thing that aren't really uh, biblically literate, if you will, or just re- refuse to, to obey the, the Word of God. Um, you know the Bible. We've done some things, I believe, on the uh, on the podcast about alcohol and and what God thinks of it. So um, it's just kind of lining up with what the the Word of God says. Um, so not a good thing. And and actually, it's kind of interesting that they would make that kind of a statement. Amen. It is interesting, and I think the important thing for people that read it and consider the statement to understand is the criteria by which they're using to uh, to make their conclusion, which includes not just the effects of, of the uh, drug on the individual body, but uh, also just the social problems and so on and so forth. Because when it comes to any of those things, there may be some of those things that actually are more detrimental to the body right. of an individual, but they don't have the same scope of social impact on a larger scale and uh really when it comes to any of those things it's uh pick your poison you know mm-hmm. um it's like uh, you're going to choose how you're going to die what well, do you want to have your head chopped off or you want somebody to choke you in the end you're, you're going to be dead anyway and um uh, when it comes to uh any type of sin the wages of sin is death and mm-hmm. some of those deaths are slow and and uh arduous and torturous you know and some may be swifter than others but uh, either way, it's, it's none of it's good. It's all sin, and the Bible says, um, "Be sober." A number of times, be sober. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. I think about alcohol too, and I think what's amazing is if you watch a football game or anything like that, and you you see a lot of the commercials. Uh, there's a lot of alcohol commercials, and uh, you might actually see too a commercial against smoking. You know, and they spend all this money against, you know, people that smoke and and things like that. But I mean, when you look at the numbers of of you know the fatalities of just people drinking and and doing other drugs and things like that, it's amazing that they don't spend more money on the uh, alcohol ads. <laughs> you know what I mean? They yeah. have to go against them. But the whole thing is, they just just a whole money thing. They want to make money off of it and. And uh, that's the thing. The people don't care that they're killing people you know, also. I mean, we were talking about it before we started this pod- podcast that, um, you know, when we go street preaching and we're going to be going street preaching uh, to the end of the football season this year for Syracuse and also the basketball season. And we just see people, they'll, they'll drink two or three hours heavily uh, at least before they go and walk up to the football game. And by the time the time they get to us, they're staggering all over the place. They they actually have bottles in their hands, and and the police aren't you know arresting them for it. It's just you know it's socially accepted now, and uh, it's gotten to the point now where I can't even imagine those people driving home by the end of the football game. You know, and it's it's just a sad state of where we're at. Amen. Well, you know, it's interesting that you know Matt mentioned the the commercials and so forth for for uh, alcohol during the football games and. And uh, their their way of excusing themselves from responsibility is is the little caveat, uh, you know, drink responsibly. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing about any kind of drug, whether it be alcohol or heroin or anything that, that's addictive like that, is that once it gets into the system, it causes the body to lose control and lose perception. And, um, you know, the likelihood of an individual being able to to drink responsibly 
uh, once they've started is is pretty slim. You know, I know they've come up with designated drivers and all kinds of things to accommodate uh, those that want to participate, but it still uh, doesn't take care of the fact that that you know people are dying, uh, innocent people are dying as a result of of alcohol use, obviously from from drunk driving and all of that that kind of thing. Uh, the 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 medical uh, end of it, you know, with the uh, cirrhosis of the liver and and other uh, uh, maladies that come from from drinking. Uh, the again, they've mentioned things on on the the article mentioned things on the family and how it's destructive to the family, how it uh, uh, tears them apart, uh, alienates people, uh, divorce. Uh, the children, uh, you know, that are that are left hanging high and dry, the abuse that takes place, uh, the battered wives, uh, just all of the things that come along. Uh, you know, uh, to be honest with you, reading and and hearing information about, let's say, heroin or ecstasy, you really don't hear about those kind of things, uh, such as the you know the physical abuse uh, to other individuals. Uh, like you would from from alcohol, uh, you know, the the society as a whole is suffering greatly at the expense of people making money and violating God and going against His word. And and uh, you know, I know that there are some that would that would try to say that that maybe there's reasons why certain people could or should or Christians could even drink. But uh, to be honest with you, from what I've read and what I've studied from the Word of God, I believe it, it, it indicates that we ought to be a teetotaler, if you will, and abstain yeah. wholly from, from the alcohol and, and any other kind of drug. I mean, the Bible talks about uh, wine and strong drink and so forth, and it gives all addictive uh, drugs whether it's alcohol or, or heroin or anything, all under the same umbrella. I mean, if you read about alcohol, you could read about heroin the same way. I mean, there's no loophole for, a, for you to go smoke marijuana or take LSD or do ecstasy or anything like that. The Bible, uh, through its principle from alcohol or wine and strong drink, gives you the admonition that you ought to take for those other things as well. And our society is big on tolerance, and, and we've tolerated uh, the influence of alcohol in, in our society for quite a while. And, and seemingly we're okay with that, with the carnage it causes on the highways and, and the destruction it causes to families. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't know of someone or that, that's been touched by you know, what alcohol will do. To families, I work in a in a school, and I work with little kids, and and I see it all the time with them. It's it's devastating, and I guess because we do tolerate it, it's so pervasive and so accepted that you know it's just sad. Well, along those lines, I do have a short uh, a short clip uh, which links back to one of our previous podcasts. And then we'll be back in just a second and introduce our lesson today. Is it okay for Christians to drink alcohol? 
Did Jesus turn the water into fermented wine? Find out what the Bible says in podcast episode 16, Was Jesus a Social Drinker? Only on FatsInTheBible.com All right. It's a little, one of our own advertisements for one of our own podcasts. Amen. I just wanted to add something also to that about the alcohol and Christians drinking alcohol. I mean, the world knows that if you're a Christian, you shouldn't drink alcohol. I mean, when I'm at work and uh, um, I've got a couple people that profess to be Christians, I believe they are. They're saved. They're born again. Um, but they don't live the right life. They, you know, they're backslidden. They're drinking alcohol. And uh, everybody that I work with um, talks about that to me. And they say, do you really believe they're saved? I mean, they drink alcohol, you know, so I have to explain to them, well, if they truly accepted Christ as their Savior, they still have the flesh where they can, you know, still do what they want. You know, God will, of course, chastise them and things like that, and they'll never be happy doing that. But, but I mean, I can't even count the amount of people that come up to me and, and say that stuff about them. And, and you know, not, not only that, but all the verses in the Bible that... Uh, speak against it also but that's the biggest thing is you know we're supposed to show that we're separated people you know we're we're set apart and we're supposed to be peculiar in people's eyes and you get that mixed up in your life you're not going to be able to be a very good witness for the lord amen amen all right well i think we are ready unless someone else has something to add for episode 41 the will of god pastor strobel are you ready Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Hey, man, once again, we do want to thank all of you for joining with us. We're glad that you uh, listened to the podcast and uh, hope that it's a blessing to you and, and encourage you to let other folks know about it if you think they might get a blessing from it as well. Uh, one thing, just before we get into the study we were talking about um, before we came on and, and began recording, uh, Given how long it's been uh, since uh, we've we've had one podcast to the next, and and just maybe for uh, I got thinking, but maybe for future reference, uh, what we're thinking about trying to do is maybe uh, informing you of when a new podcast is out, and so uh, we're going to be working on this, and um, brother Eric's going to probably put something in the show notes about it where we can have you uh, email in and let us know if you would like um, to be added to a list whereby every time we finish a podcast or a new podcast gets put up on the uh, website where you can be emailed and informed. So uh, look for more information about that. Uh, or if you have any um, comments, feel free to, to put them uh, where the comments go, and Eric will tell you about that a little bit later. All right, tonight uh, I want to talk to you about the will of God. And somewhere along the way in your Christian life, you're going to be introduced to the term and subject of the will of God. Perhaps uh, for somebody, that time is tonight, right now. Maybe you've not heard about it yet, uh, but now you've heard uh, the phrase, the will of God. Uh, it's likely that uh, all of you, or, or most of you, that have been saved for a while have already heard of the term and, and become uh, somewhat familiar with it. Uh, the term will of God shows up 23 times in the Bible. And the will of God is simply a reference to what God wants you to do in your life. And um, there is nothing more important for you than you loving the Lord and doing his will for your life. The will of God involves what God wants you to do as your life's work. But it also involves things that God wants you to do on a regular basis that uh, may not be peculiar to your individual calling. 
uh, that is, um, things that he wants you to do just because you're a Christian. And these two areas correlate generally with what might be called the revealed will of God and the concealed will of God. And uh, first of all, let me talk to you about the, the revealed will of God. Uh, sometimes people look too far ahead uh, trying to figure out what God wants them to do in the future. And when they do that, they fail to realize that God has something that he wants them to do uh, today. And um, when we get talking about the, the future the future or the, um, the concealed will of God or, or what God's calling is upon your life, uh, you should note that God does have a calling on your life. But in route to that calling, there are some things that he wants you to do uh, today. And the truth is, if you're not doing what God wants you to do, to do today, um, you're probably not going to be ready to do what he wants you to do uh, down the road in the future. And uh, if you won't do what, he already, what you already know that he wants you to do today, why should he show you anything else that he wants you to do in the future? And so, consequently, when you, when you get looking at it like this, the will of God really starts with uh, each of us doing God's will today. And uh, apart from out there in the future, someplace, somewhere, doing what God wants me to do, um, there is something he wants me to do uh, today. And in the Word of God, the Lord has revealed plenty of specific things that he wants us to do right now. And our Christian walk begins when we uh, begin to put those things into practice. And uh, in, re in regard to that, let me first say that, that if you aren't saved... Um, you don't even have a Christian walk yet, and if you're not saved, you don't know that you're on your way to heaven, you're, you've never been uh, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you can't point to a day when you call upon the name of the Lord with repentance and put your faith totally and solely in what Jesus did for you uh, on the cross of Calvary when he shed his blood, when he, was, when he died, was buried, rose again from the dead, you've not trusted him as your Savior, then the first thing God wants you to do is to be saved. That's the first thing. That's the will of God right now for you if you've never been saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 3 and 4 put it this way. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. Who will have all men. It is his will. This is what his will is. His will is for all men to be saved. Now, that doesn't mean that all men get saved. Uh, the Lord was talking to the disciples and, and vice versa one time, and uh, the disciples asked him, uh, are there few that be saved? Are there few there be that be saved? And uh, I think that's when the Lord uh, began to respond by saying this, and certainly he did, he did say this, whether it was at that time or another, but he said that uh, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. And uh, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Not all men are going to be saved. Uh, some are going to uh, die and perish in uh, the lake of fire. They'll go to hell. And uh, that's the way it is. That's the scriptural uh, teaching on it. Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But um, uh, So it's the one that's going to do what the Father said, do the will of the Father. And what was his will? First and foremost, to be saved. Now, um, that being said, if you're not saved, uh, there is information on this website and uh, through other podcasts about how to be saved if it's not clear to you yet. And I encourage you to seek those out and, um, and, and listen to them or, or read the material and find out uh, and make sure that you know that you've, that you've been saved. Now, we're going to direct our comments uh, precisely in, in to, to people who are saved. And so, 
when, when I'm speaking, we want to understand if you, you haven't been saved, that's the jumping off place for you, and that's where you need to start. But the revealed will of God consists of things that uh, we are clearly told to do or not to do in the Bible. And if you've already been born again, these are things that we're to do just because we're saved and God says so. In regard to these things, uh, really, uh, a lot of them, you don't even have to pray about whether or not you should put them into practice because God's already told you clearly in the Bible what to do regarding these matters. And so I'm going to give you some examples of what I'm talking about in regards to the revealed will of God, uh, things for every Christian to obey. First of all, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 3, the Bible says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Now, a Christian doesn't have to pray about whether or not he should abstain from fornication if he just reads the Bible command upon it. In regard to that, the Lord says, you should abstain from fornication. It says elsewhere, flee fornication. So uh, promiscuity, sexual activity before marriage uh, is not only frowned upon in the Bible, it's forbidden. It's forbidden behavior, and it ought not to take place. Uh, you might have to pray, if you're tempted in that regard, you might have to pray for God to help you to avoid uh, falling prey to that temptation or giving into that temptation, but whether it's something that God wants you to do or not, you don't have to pray about that. He said, don't do it. So uh, I want to I zero in, first of all, in this regard, then, um, after having said that, on where he says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And, and in a nutshell... Uh, God tells us that our sanctification is his will. It is God's will, and that's revealed to us that he wants every one of us to be sanctified. Now, the word sanctify, perhaps you've heard. uh, If not, you'll hear it now. It means to set apart. And we know this from from the scriptures. Um, In Exodus chapter 13, And verse number one, and uh, then verse number two, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, uh, it is mine. He said to sanctify all the firstborn. A little bit later on, uh, he's commenting on that in the same chapter, in verse number 12, and he says says it this way. He says, That thou shalt set apart unto the Lord, all that openeth the matrix, and every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast, the male shall be the Lord's. One time he says, sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Here he says, set, set apart unto the Lord. And he refers uh, again to the firstborn by, by another term, but set apart. And from there we understand uh, sanctify to mean set apart. He replaced it the second time where he would have said sanctify with the word set apart, thus defining for you uh, the meaning of the term. So when we're talking about the will of God being your sanctification, it is his will that you be set apart from sin and set apart to God for his glory. It's God's will that that uh, that take place in your life. Uh, A very famous uh, verse that deals with this is uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, and really 1 and 2. It says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing 
of your mind. I'll stop there, and a little bit later on, Lord willing, we'll look at uh, the rest of that verse. But he says, you're not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed. You're to, you're to ha- yield your body, give your body, present your bodies, he says, a living sacrifice, holy, H-O-L-Y. There ought to be some holiness. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1 says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. It is the will of God that we live a holy life. We live sanctified, set apart from sin, set apart uh, to God. And uh, this is something that doesn't happen by some mystical blessing that comes upon you after you're saved where you're sanctified so that you never sin again. It's something that you, you, you do by choice. Paul, the apostle, would say it this way. He said, I die daily. And it's you denying your, your flesh and denying the desires of, of sin that, that still abide with you because you've still got the old nature, the, the flesh, and uh, giving in to God and giving, giving over to him, yielding yourself to him, saying no to flesh and, and the flesh and yes to the Lord. Um, additionally, in regard to your sanctification, the Lord says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He wants us to be clean. He wants us to live a holy life. He says in Isaiah 52, 11, he says, Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. So if the Lord is to use you for his glory, you need to be yourself a clean vessel. This is revealed as the will of God, uh, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. So the first part of the revealed will of God, the first thing that we'll mention is God is revealed uh, to us in accordance with his will. He wants us to live a sanctified life, set apart from sin, set apart to him. Another thing the Lord mentions in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, he says this, uh, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God has revealed that it is his will for every child of God to give thanks in everything. It is the will of God for a Christian to give thanks for whatever circumstances he finds himself in. Uh, Instead of worrying yourself to the brink of insanity, uh, step back and realize in your circumstance that God's still on the throne, he knows what's going on in your life, and and he can handle it. And I'll grant you that sometimes it's hard to give thanks in everything. Matter of fact, um, it may be hard, but um, there's some hard things in the Bible that are, that are hard but not impossible. And in order to do this, really, um, in Ephesians chapter 5, you can check it out sometime. In verse 18, he says, and be not drunk with wine. We talked a little bit about that uh, in, in the preface to the show. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What follows is some of the results of being filled with the Spirit. And one of those results you read in verse number 20 is giving thanks always for all things. It's, it's giving thanks. It is a result of a spirit-filled life. If I, will, if I will live a sanctified life and deny myself sin and, and be yielded in obedience to God, ah, the tendency is going to be for me to empty myself of sin and then be filled up with the Spirit. And as I'm filled with the Spirit, a natural result, that's going to be given thanks. And uh, it, whether I find it natural or not, I'm told to do it. It may be hard, but it is his will. And if I, if I can do it, if I will do it, because I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, 
if I will do it, then the Bible says that this is a sacrifice with which he is well pleased. You can read about that in Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16. What I've found in my life when I get through um, circumstances, there are some times that I go through circumstances which, quite honestly, I am not thankful for. And I have learned, even though I'm not thankful, I can still go ahead and give thanks. You don't have to necessarily be thankful to be obedient. (laughs) Because when I can't give thanks to God wholeheartedly, I've learned to do it by faith. And about the time I do that, I mean, I'll I'll be, it's kind of interesting wording. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And that obviously means, you know, in regard to you and in reference to to what you're dealing with. But just think about how we use the word concerning. I'm concerned about this. I'm concerned. We, We sometimes get so concerned that we worry. And sometimes the thing that you're worrying about will be uh, changed or, or your circumstances will be bettered or at least you'll be able to better deal with it if you'll stop and give thanks. And I've discovered that when I can't give thanks wholeheartedly because I'm not thankful for something, if I'll go ahead and give thanks anyway by faith, a lot of times that's the pressure release point. And that's when things begin to turn. Sometimes circumstances begin to change, but not always. Whether circumstances change or not, what happens is at that point when I am able to give thanks by faith, I begin to change. And my obedience opens up a door whereby God can pour in his grace and uh, give me the strength to be able to, to, to bear up under the circumstances. So remember, if you want to do the will of God and everything, give thanks. We're in the month of November now, just at the very beginning, and we'll celebrate, Lord willing, during this month, the holiday of Thanksgiving, which is a wonderful concept. It's a blessing that uh, here we have in our country a day which is set aside to simply remind people to be thankful. And it's a great great concept, a great holiday. But um, really, for, for the Christian, every day ought to be Thanksgiving. We ought to be thanking God every day and... Uh, I guess I could just ask you, have you thanked God for every, anything today? Have you thanked the Lord Jesus Christ for anything today? In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's part of his revealed will. You don't have to pray about whether or not you should give thanks. You just have to do it. You have to obey. I'll tell you another thing that's um, the, the will of God. First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 15 says, For so is the will of God. Uh, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. It's God's will that you do well. Let me put it this way, that you maintain a good testimony. Uh, we heard uh, about some Christians that, that were professing Christians that weren't maintaining a good testimony, and the unsaved people knew it. Uh, Brother Matt was telling us about that. Well, you as a Christian... If you name the name of Christ, God says, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And we're told to, we're told to uh, in so many words, maintain a good testimony by uh, well-doing. By well-doing. Again, 1 Peter 2.15, uh, it's a great verse. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So because you're a Christian, there's going to be some higher standards that are expected of you. And... Also, because you're a Christian, uh, there's going to be some people that will persecute you, assuming that you've made up your mind to live a godly Christian life. For all they that live godly in Christ Jesus will, all they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. When you make up your mind 
that you're going to try to live right for the Lord, then persecution uh, is going to come sometime, someplace, somewhere. And you've got to learn to respond to persecution and to criticism uh, with well-doing. And uh, this is, this is uh, unnatural to the flesh, but it is uh, scriptural. Matthew 5.44, Jesus said, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Once again, perhaps that's not always easy, but according to what I'm reading here in the scriptures, it's always right. Uh, that's Matthew 5, verse 44. Romans chapter 12, verse 14, just in case you didn't think that was good Pauline doctrine. Here, here you go. Here's Paul. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Now, that, that's, that maintains and contains in it the idea of, of doing good, of well-doing. You know, doing, doing well and doing these things and behaving as such, uh, that's going to prevent our detractors from having any legitimate criticism uh, of us. Proverbs 16, 7 says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. And uh, let, me, let me sum this up with um, a couple verses from Titus, chapter 2, uh, verse 7 and 8, that, that really, really do sum up this whole, whole thought about uh, it being God's will that we do well, that we maintain a good testimony. He says this, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. The greatest example of this was uh, Jesus. Jesus was persecuted. Jesus uh, did well. Jesus maintained a great testimony. It was such a great testimony that when they, he was finally condemned to death, he was acquitted three times before they railroaded a guilty verdict and uh, sentenced him to death. Pilate would say, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him at all. And three times he confessed there was no fault. They had to trump up uh, illegitimate charges against him because there was nothing bad that they could really say about him. And, uh, and he embodied this. He, with well-doing, he was able to put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, uh, ultimately. And so um, uh, that's, what, that's what we're to do. Uh, by a good testimony, uh, give them no uh, stones to, to throw. They'll find stones of their own, but don't give them any legitimate stones to throw at you. Now, there's other specifics that are revealed in the Scriptures as to being the will of God. And um, these include uh, reading your Bible. Isaiah 34, 16 says, Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. And reading your Bible daily. Acts 17, 11 says, uh, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word uh, with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. You ought to be in your Bible on a daily basis. That's, uh, that's part of the revealed will of God in the scriptures. Attending church regularly is revealed as the will of God in the scriptures. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And uh, uh, so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we're not to forsake attending church. We're to keep it up. And uh, praying is revealed as the will of God. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Witnessing is revealed as the will of God. Uh, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And there's many other verses that deal with witnessing as being the revealed will of God, part of his revealed will. Uh, being faithful is uh, something that God has revealed as his will. Uh, moreover, it is required in the stewards that a man be found faithful. 
1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. So uh, faithfulness is the idea of being consistent in the performance of your spiritual duties. And that's uh, being faithful to your Bible reading, for example, being faithful to having uh, maintaining a prayer life, being faithful uh, to attending church, being faithful to witnessing. Uh, just being a faithful Christian that the Lord can count on and uh, and uh, rely on. Now, these are these are a number of particular things, and there are others that the Bible instructs you to do. They're revealed. The ones that I've dealt with uh, thus far are foundational, and they're going to get you off to a good start, and really they'll keep you busy for a good long while in your Christian life if you try to employ them. Uh, whatever else the Lord shows you to do, as far as what his will is in particular for your individual calling. These particular things that we have mentioned already should always be a part of your Christian life. And there's no real mystery to these things. They are plainly revealed in God's word, and they are the revealed will of God. Things that every Christian ought to do simply because God has said so. Now we come to the concealed will of God. And this other aspect of the will of God is not so readily revealed to us. And this has to do with God's particular calling on the life of an individual. Uh, And since this calling varies from person to person according to God's purpose for that person, it's not always so easily seen just by looking in the Bible. And what I mean by that is this. Indeed, the Bible is going to help the individual to discern the will of God, and we'll talk more about that later. But you don't open it up and and see your name, address, and um, serial number, or for, for us, I guess, Social Security number, you don't see that in there saying, all right, this is what exactly what I want you to do. Um, so there's a little more mystery to that. Uh, that is, it's not spelled out as exactly as, as really sometimes we wish it were. And so we, not, we may not find it spelled out real clearly in the, in the scriptures addressed directly to us, um, like we saw the other things addressed to us in the revealed will of God specifically mentioned and, and enumerated. Uh, this idea of God concealing his will is, it may, maybe for some of you, maybe that sounds unlikely. Maybe you think, well, and I understand what you're talking about, about the revealed will of God, but, but why would God conceal what it is he wants me to do about his calling? And uh, in response to that, let me ask you to consider Proverbs 25 and verse number 2, which says this, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. When I talk about the concealed will of God, it should be understood that the concealed will of God is not meant to be permanently concealed. It is meant to be searched out and discovered. God's calling for your life, God's will for your life, it is intended by God that you search that out and that you discover it. I get troubled and have been troubled through the years that it seems to me like a lot of God's people don't even care what the Lord's will is for their life. It seems like a lot of God's people, they don't make it an issue. To understand God's got something he wants me to do, and I need to find out what that is. They seem to just be bent on on making up their own minds and kind of looking and analyzing life, saying, oh, I kind of like to do that, I kind of like to do that. But but really, it's not all about what we'd like to do. We read earlier, uh, you're bought with a price. We read earlier, you're not your own. And so we ought to be earnestly concerned and interested in what the will of God is for our life. A famous preacher of years gone by, Dr. Bob Jones Sr., would say, say it like this. He'd say, the successful man is a man that finds the will of God for his life and does it. And that really is success. 
In regard to um, searching out the matter, we, we read that uh, the honor of kings, in Proverbs 25, verse 2, the honor of kings is to search out a matter. And uh, I, I want to point out that those of us who have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, Revelation 1, 5, and 6 says that we've been made kings and priests unto God. So it's the honor of you as a, a child of God, uh, washed in the blood, a king to God. It's to your honor to search out the matter of the will of God in regard to his particular calling for your life. Now, to do these things, let me give you some um, means that will help you to discover the will of God for your life. And the first thing uh, is prayer. And prayer is not only part of his revealed will, it, it is something that in particular will help you to discover what God's concealed will is for your life. Uh, let me give you some, some verses to consider along these uh, lines. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. If you would like the Lord to direct the paths of your life and to, to drive, if you will, to take over the wheel and, and drive uh, for your life and, and direct you, then your job is to acknowledge him in all your ways. And uh, I would describe that as praying about your decisions praying about uh, what it is that he wants you to do. And in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Psalm 27 and verse 11 says, it's a prayer that's actually prayed, and this is a prayer that you could make your own prayer and pray to God and say it like this, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Oftentimes in regards to um, uh, the will of God, especially as I was seeking his particular calling on my life, I would pray that. I still pray it sometimes in regard to particulars about what he'd have me to do in certain situations. But uh, I pray, lead me in a plain path. Lead me in a plain path. He, the psalmist said, because of mine enemies. A plain path. That is something that's clear to see. Something that is not obscured. Something that's easy to understand and easy to know. Psalm 143, verse 8, in regard to praying about the will of God for your life. Uh, the, the, it says here, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. In regard to praying for the will of God, that little line in there sticks out to me. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. And uh, certainly if you're trying to figure out what it is the Lord wants you to do, you can relate to that as a prayer, and you could pray that same thing to God. Then a little bit... Uh, Later, actually two verses later, Psalm 143, verse 10, uh, I've prayed along these lines as well. Teach me to do thy will. Teach me to do thy will. Not just to, to know it, but to do it, to, to be able to, to know it and to do it. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. So uh, one of the first means to be employed in discerning what the will of God is uh, for your life is in regard to his calling and the concealed aspect of his will would be prayer. Another thing is uh, yielding. Uh, you need to be yielded to the will of God if you hope to be able to discern the will of God. Uh, Jesus was praying in, in regard to the will of the Lord for him uh, when it came to going to the cross in Gethsemane. And the Bible says in Luke 22, verses 41 and 42, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He was praying about what his desire was, but he was yielded 
to the desire of God, and he wanted God's will more than he wanted his will. So he would close it by saying, the prayer saying, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And that's how we need to learn to pray. Uh, we need to pray, Lord, not my will, but thine be done, and mean it to pray that from, from your heart. That shows that you're yielded to his will. You may, you may be asking for direction and, and looking, thinking you're going to go a particular way, but if, if you really mean and, and, and that's your heart's desire, not my will, but thine be done. I want to do God's will. The Lord knows it. And, and in conjunction with that, I've thought of in, in my own life, and I've seen this work uh, with me, but Proverbs 69, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Jesus was praying about what he wanted first, about remove this cup from me. But if thou be willing, he said, remove this cup from me. I may have a direction I'd like to go and ask God to help me go that direction. But if my heart is yielded to his will, then I can trust he's going to direct my steps. He may direct it away from, from what I want. And I've seen him do that. I've seen, seen, I've looked and analyzed the situation and said, all right, this, this seems like it'd be a good fit for the will of God for me. And I'd ask for it. And the Lord would slam the door shut. Why? Because it wasn't his will. And he knew deep down, I wanted his will more than I wanted the particular thing I was praying about. And uh, he would direct my steps and, and has. And I thank God, thank God that he has. Um, Proverbs 21 verse 2 is something to consider in regard to being yielded. It says, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. God's checking out your heart. He wants to make sure you're, you're yielded. You can even convince yourself sometimes that something is the will of God when it's not. That's why it's important for you to have your heart right with him. Because he's going to ponder those hearts. And uh, let, me, let me, from this, go back to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Because we're talking about being yielded, and, and really this has a lot to do with that in regard to the will of God. In Romans 12, 1, once again, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. And that's the idea of yielding. I'm going to yield my body to God, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now we'll get the rest of that verse. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If I hope to prove that, in my life, even to myself, what it is, then I need to follow the prescribed formula that went on at the beginning of uh, the passage, verse 1 and the beginning of verse 2, presenting my body living sacrifice, living holy, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of my mind. And in so doing, by being yielded to the Lord, I can then prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So prayer will help me to discern the will of God. Yielding will help me to discern the will of God. Something else that will help you uh, as a means to discern the calling of God and his will uh, in your life in regard to that concealed aspect of his will is the Bible. And one of the practical reasons for reading the Bible regularly is that according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it divides the soul from the spirit, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It divide, divides asunder the soul and the spirit. Your soul being, in this regard, what you want. The spirit being, in this regard, what God wants. And regular Bible reading will help to keep your, your will divided from God's will so that you'll be able to clearly see and clearly understand and discern what he wants you to do. Sometimes just reading your Bible, 
it, it may not even be that a verse jumps out at you and says, you know, this is the way, walk ye in it. But because you have read it, it puts you in a spiritual frame of mind that will allow you to make a spiritual decision and to, and to discern between what you want and what God wants. For that reason alone, if you are actively at this point in your life trying to discern God's will for your life, I would encourage you to spend extra time reading the Bible uh, because a lot of times you're going to come to a decision that's going to affect the course that you go in the rest of, uh, for the rest of your life. And so you want to invest ahead of time some extra time in the scriptures dividing the soul from the spirit. Whether or not you see a verse that jumps out at you that says, okay, this is the way, walk you in it, don't worry so much about that. Get in a spiritual frame of mind so that you can make a right decision and God can communicate to you what his will is. I'll tell you something else that'll help you uh, discern the will of God for your life, and that is preaching. Listening to preaching can help you discern God's will for your life. Uh, After John the Baptist preached, um, Andrew and another of John's disciples that heard him followed Jesus. Let me read that to you in uh, John chapter 1, beginning in verse 35. Again, the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And if you're looking at that, at that in the scriptures, you'll see an exclamation point. Uh, he's, he's preaching this thing. And after he got done preaching, Behold the Lamb of God. It says, And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. They heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. John let it fly. He preached and uh, they figured out what God wanted them to do. <clears throat> they figured out the Lord wanted them to, to follow Jesus. And so that's what they did. <clears throat> they heard the preaching. After hearing the preaching, they followed Jesus. And it's been my experience that God can use preaching <clears throat> to enlighten you as to his will for your life. Not only my, ex- my experience, but I've heard others testify how that the Lord used a, a preaching message or something the preacher said in a message uh, to help them to discern what God's calling was for their life. Uh, I've known and saw just uh, even this past um, year, uh, God used preaching and a service, and afterwards, through the invitation, somebody answering his call uh, to preach uh, on their life. Um, Let me lead lead on to another thing. Um, These are are particular things that you can do to help to um, discover what God's will is for your life, to discover the concealed aspect of his will. And another thing you can use that's real important is godly counsel. Uh, In Psalm 1, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So if you want to be blessed, don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And sometimes Christians make a mistake about going to somebody that's ungodly or unsaved for spiritual advice regarding his will. Well, don't get counsel from ungodly people. Get godly counsel. Let me give you some verses particularly about that. Proverbs 11, verse 14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Find somebody that's in the Bible, that's, that prays, that's uh, going to church, that's uh, living for the Lord, that's living a godly life, and uh, get good counsel for them from them when it comes to the will of God for your life. Hopefully you're in a good Bible-believing New Testament, King James Independent Bible-believing Baptist church where uh, you've got a pastor that you can go to uh, to, to get some counsel like that uh, and or other uh, members uh, on staff or just good godly members in the church. But take advantage of that. Again, Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, 
but in the multitude of counselors they are established. In one verse it says, in the multitude of counselors there is safety, and here it says, in the multitude of counselors these purposes are established. Uh, once again, Proverbs 20 verse, 24 verse 6 says, for by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. And, and here we are in a war, God giving us things that by them we ought to, might, that we might war a good warfare. It's a spiritual battle with, with spiritual armor, Ephesians chapter 6. And he says, for by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in multitude of counselors there is safety. The multitude of godly counselors, of getting good counsel, uh, is a safety net that God provides to help you to keep from falling. And you want to take advantage of that. If you've got a big decision in your life, don't you, don't you be too proud to go ask somebody that's godly, that's living for the Lord, that knows the book, uh, that can, can, can use his testimonies as, as his delight and counselors to give you good godly counsel from the scriptures. A lot of times they'll see things that you don't see. And I thank God for people I've been able to go to in times when I had maybe tunnel vision and couldn't, or couldn't see the forest for the trees. And uh, they were a little bit more aloof from the situation and even a little more detached and could give me objective scriptural counsel uh, to help lead me and uh, discern what the Lord's will is. And I, and I used that. I used, uh, I counseled uh, at an altar during a uh, revival meeting uh, for, with a pastor when it came time to trying to figure out the will of God for my life. And he gave me tremendous counsel. And uh, ultimately, that would help me uh, to find out what the Lord wanted me to do. Um, Another thing that you could use in, in trying to find the will of God is uh, fasting. And uh, in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it was during a period of fasting that God revealed his calling to Barnabas and Saul at that time in their lives. Uh, Lord willing, someday uh, I'd like to do a podcast just on the whole subject of, uh, of fasting. Let me give you one other verse about it right now. Isaiah 58, verse 10 says that during a proper biblical fast, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. That is, whereas the will of God was obscure and even concealed, as we talked about, he says, during this fast, thy, thy light shall rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. That is, it, it's something that God can use to help you give light. Um, it, it, you can't necessarily force his hand. I mean, you know, the Lord's got his own timetable about some things. But uh, it, is, it is a means that you can employ when you're seeking what the will of God is for your life. Um, indeed, one time I saw the Lord show me his will uh, through a fast. I, I actually wasn't fasting about his will at that point. Simply um, went on a fast just to, to get closer to God. And, and upon breaking that fast, uh, the Lord emphatically put it in my heart, uh, the next step in my Christian life, which at that point involved uh, going down to a Pensacola and finishing up Bible school. And I didn't jump right on it, uh, not because I was uh, hesitant to obey. I continued to pray just to make sure. And uh, over the next several days, he made it abundantly clear that, yep, that's what his will was. And then I, then I headed out in that direction. And, um, and, and I have no, absolutely, positively no doubt that that was his will uh, for my life at that time. All right, something else. Um, if you want to find out what God's will is for your life about his particular calling for you, uh, you also need to employ obedience. That is, if you, want God, if you want to know what God wants you to do down the road, be obedient to what he wants you to do today. This goes back to the revealed will of God that we talked about before. Because, look, if you won't obey the light that you've got right now, listen, why should God give you any more light? Jesus said, yet a little while is the light with you. 
Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. If and that's John twelve thirty five. But if God's given you some light about his revealed will and you won't obey that, then you're going to wind up walking in darkness. He's given you light and said, this is what I want to do. This is the way to walk in it. Uh, attend church. Read your Bible. Have a prayer life. Be a witness. Uh, in everything, give thanks. Uh, sanctify yourself. Abstain from fornication. Now, you won't obey those things. Those are clearly revealed. Why should he take you to the next level of um, showing you his calling upon your life? After all, he's, he's not more interested in you doing uh, his calling apart from, from being a good Christian. There's enough Christians that, that are in a position of a, of a calling that, that aren't living a godly Christian life and wind up making a big mess of things. He doesn't need more folks like that. So be obedient to what you know the Lord wants you to do. And uh, it was put to me this way, um, someplace, somewhere, and, and this is really sound uh, scriptural advice and counsel. The way to be in the will of God 10 years from now, you know, you know to, now you can ensure that you'll be in the will of God 10 years from now. You make sure that you're in the will of God today. You make sure that you are in his will and doing his will today. And then tomorrow, you make sure you're doing the will of God tomorrow. And the next day, and the next day, one day at a time. If you'll do his revealed will every day, then you can be sure that 10 years down the road, you'll be in his, in, in his will. You'll, you'll be doing his will. Because look, at while you're waiting to discover the concealed will of God, keep busy doing the revealed will of God. Sometimes his will isn't so plain and clear. Isaiah 50 verse 10 says, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant? that walketh in darkness and hath no light. You're doing right, but you don't have the light about, in this case, about his, his calling on your life. What do you do? The answer was given at the end of the verse. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Well, you just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. The revealed will of God is right regardless of the Lord's calling on your life. It's not peculiar to any particular calling except for the calling of a Christian that you're called to be, to, to live a, a good Christian life. But it's not peculiar to any particular calling that is a pastor or a pastor's wife or a missionary or a missionary's wife or an evangelist or an evangelist's wife or a Christian school teacher or a music ministry, whatever. It's not peculiar to that. The will of God is that these things we talk about are revealed and they're things that all Christians ought to do. So if you're having trouble discerning his calling, you can't go wrong doing his revealed will. And uh, even so, as I said before, you can be sure that God does have a purpose for your life. I hope that you're interested in it. I believe you'll be interested in, in finding it out. God, God's interested in showing you what it is. 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. He's got a place where in the body of Christ where it would please him to put you. And he wants you to do your best in that, that regard. I want to say this as we get ready to wind up here. In seeking the will of God, you should remember this important thing. That the will of God will never run contrary to the word of God. That is, God will never ask you to violate his word in the doing of his will. Any prompting to do something that's in violation from the scriptures uh, is not from God. And it can immediately be dismissed as a possible course of action. From time to time, you'll hear a troubling news story about somebody saying, well, you know, God told me to kill one of my children or something else stupid like that. 
and it is stupid. It is against the word of God for you to kill somebody. Thou shalt not kill. God won't ask you to do that. If you're hearing voices telling you to do that, it isn't the voice of the God of the Bible and the God of heaven. It's the voice of your adversary, the devil. And and God won't lead you to do anything that's contrary to his word. So you can dismiss any voices that are contrary to his word as um, being possibly his will, for they're not his will. Um, The Lord Jesus Christ set the example about doing the will of God, that, that you should follow his steps. And Hebrews 10, verse 9, it says of Christ, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. That's why he came, to do the will of God. In Psalm 40, in verses 7 and 8, it's written of him prophetically. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. May this also be your delight, to do the will of God for your life, both now and forever. David, the Bible says in Acts 13, verse 36, served his own generation by the will of God. May you likewise serve yours. And the, and the world, said John in 1 John two seventeen, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Strobel. Amen. Man. Guys? Well, I've got a couple of things here. Uh, one of the things you were mentioning there towards the end, uh, you know, about doing the revealed word day by day and so forth. I heard it put on this wise, and, and it kind of makes sense to me. Being on the right road, doing the right things will end, well, you will end in the right place. Amen. Uh, and, you know, for those that are wanting to know what God wants them to do, if you're doing the right things on the right road, you're going to be in the right place. Um, that kind of reminds me of a of a illustration I've used in times past. Um, God kind of only gives you enough light to walk in in your present circumstances, if you understand what I mean. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the story goes like this. There's a, there's a young boy back in the time when they still had lanterns and didn't have flashlights. And he, he didn't do all the chores that he was supposed to do down at the barn. Darkness had set in. And the father, being a good father, wanted his son to finish the chores. Well, the, the son was a little apprehensive because he couldn't see the barn and he thought he was going to get lost. His father told him, he says, you just take this lamp, a lantern, and uh, you see the path, this path, you know you walk it every day, it goes to the barn. You just take the, the, the lantern and it'll lead you to the barn. And he'd take a couple of steps and he said, but I can't see the barn. He said, just keep going down the right path. And each step he took, as he stayed on the path, led him to the right destination, and that was the barn. And that's what the Word of God does, as, as one of the things Pastor Strobel talked about as far as finding the will of God, is staying on the right path, doing what the Word of God tells you to do, and you'll be where you're supposed to be. One of the things, that, the second thing is, is that, you know, we're impatient as Christians, and I think we're all guilty of this, especially a young Christian that, that's eager 
to do what God wants them to do. They want to know the, the concealed Word of God right away. And I think sometimes if we really examine what, that's, what the motive behind that is, is that we want to, to have the final approval as to whether we want to do what God wants us to do 20 years down the line or not. Amen. So we want, to, we want to see what he wants us to do way down the line so as to whether we're going to follow it or not. And, and if you follow, as, I, as Pastor Strobel's already talked about, as I just alluded to here in that illustration, God will work on your heart, the growth will take place, and you will be able to do what God wants you to do at the time he wants you to do it. If we try to do it too soon, uh, it, it's nothing but a mess. Um, you, you, you just make a royal mess out of things, out of your life, and so forth. If you just do what God wants you to do, follow the Word of God, follow all the things that Pastor Strobel talked about, it'll end up in the right place, and you'll be happier doing what God wants you to do than what you've wanted to do uh, by your own approval. Yeah, I mean, I think about myself, and just a few years ago, you know, I got saved a little over five years ago, but a few years ago, you know, being young in the Lord, just like you were saying, Brother Steve, I mean, you you get zealous, and you just want to go and, and be that missionary or be the pastor and start right away, and and uh, it just reminds me of um, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, where it says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find and uh, it's just like when you join a local church, you know, they'll, they'll say, well, why don't you stay here for a year? We'll see uh, how faithful you are, um, you know, how well everything goes. And then after that year, uh, we'll see about you being able to have more things that you could do around the church, um, you know, and, and we'll, you can work your way up that way. You know, we'll see if you're faithful. And uh, I truly believe the Lord is the same way. You know, he'll, he'll see how faithful you are with what you're supposed to do. And like Pastor Strobel said, the re- revealed will of God, uh, do all those things. And uh, if you're faithful, God will give you more. And that reminds me of Matthew chapter 25 uh, with the parable of the talents. You know, he gave one, uh, five talents. He gave another two and uh, another one. And if you look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 20, and it says, And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, Thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And when you look at that, that's, that's you know, Jesus Christ talking to us. And he says, listen, if you're going to be faithful over those revealed will of God, those, those things that I told you to, to uh, be faithful over, uh, if you are, then I'm going to give you more. Uh, more things uh, to uh, to be over, uh, to to rule over. He'll give you more things, and he'll show you that concealed will of God. And uh, I think you know if if other people that have been uh, maybe doing it for five, ten years and been doing the will of God, the the revealed will of God, and you say, "Well, you know, he hasn't told me else what to do." Well, maybe where you're supposed to be, you might be where right. you're supposed to be. And and uh, you know, there's so many people. Even I sometimes struggle with that. You know, you think you got to be this uh, great evangelist or something like that. You know, I mean, you can touch and you can uh, save so many people and do so many things for Christ just being a member in a local church and uh, just serving there. And uh, and definitely, you know, I think of Ephesians chapter 6, and it talks about in verse 5, 
Uh, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Now, I know this is talking about those that are in bondage with their servants, but uh, I think also about a local church. I mean, you should be uh, uh, obedient to your local pastor. And, uh, and then it says in verse 6, not with uh, eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. And uh, if you're truly, like I said, keeping uh, what the revealed will of God is, being faithful and doing it not to please other people, but, to, uh, but with uh, singleness of heart, all unto the Lord, uh, if the Lord hasn't revealed anything more for you to do right at that time, then, then like I said, stay right where you are, and that's where the Lord wants you to be. Amen. Amen. And uh, I, I appreciate, too, that uh, Pastor Stroll you know, brought some very practical things for us to, to do. You know, a lot of times I think people look at the will of God as some sort of mystical thing. It'll hit him with a lightning bolt, and, and perhaps that does happen for some people. But, you know, there's, there's practical things that we can be doing right now to make sure that we're, we're going to be in the position to be in the will of God. Amen. So, I appreciate Amen. that. Amen. Just a couple other things real quick, and that is um, following up on some of the things that you, you said, and maybe adding one, but the light, uh, if, if you don't have, if God doesn't, you're praying about something and God doesn't give you any light on it, it's kind of alluding to what Matt said, the, the, the reason is that you've already got all the light that you need a lot of times. You know what I'm saying? If you're praying, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? What, do you, what should I do? What should I do? And he doesn't show you anything, then that means you already have enough light to do everything you're supposed to do. And that's, right. that's part of the revealed will right there. So you just keep busy with that. You can't go wrong doing that. And then uh, one other thing is in regard to the concealed will, um, this can also be applied not just to your calling, but you'll reach a number of, of uh, circumstances in life when you've got you've to pray about his will. For example, before I got married, who I was going to get married to, that was a concealed will. You know, I didn't know. You know, so I had to pray about that. I needed light about that. Uh, sometimes um, uh, even where to live, you know, um, uh, buy, buying things. I, I mean, sometimes I, I, I'm the kind of person think that the Lord's got kind of a, a, the right thing for me to buy or not, you know, when it comes to maybe a vehicle. I've learned to pray over vehicles <laughs> before I buy them. Mm-hmm. I pray certainly pray over them before you take them to a particular repair shop. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so a lot of things that uh, those methods I told you to employ about um, the revealed or the concealed will of God that you can employ when it comes not only to your calling, but other things you're trying to figure out what the Lord wants from you. Amen. For you. Just like a talk show. <laughs> Seamless, brother. Seamless. <laughs> We need to start paying you, Dad. <laughs> I, I vote. I make a motion that we double his salary. Yeah, I was going to say, give him half of what I've already made. <laughs> What's two times? Hey, uh, <laughs> if you guys would remember, uh, I'm going to be preaching down at City Mission this coming Friday. So if you remember, pray about that. I appreciate it. Man. We'll do. We'll do. And who's up next, Steve? I think you're going to be up next down here, right? I am. I believe I am. Don't have a clue yet. <laughs> <laughs> Knew what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> amen. Well, we'll try to do it before the next month goes by. Uh, amen. That would be wise. Amen. Have to gain all those people back that have uh, stopped that have, that have checking left. in. And I yeah. will uh, I'll follow up on that uh, email list. 
and to put some more information in the show notes and also on the contact page that Pastor Strobel talked about so that when we do have one, we can get an email out to everyone that's interested. Amen. Amen. Sounds good. Jesus is coming soon. Amen. Looking forward to it. Amen. All right, guys, we'll see you next time, Lord willing. Amen. This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.